Hey guys, this is Santu with Veriteras. You're listening to KFMP Misery Point Radio. Wanderers to another locally inspired edition of Misery Point Radio. As always, I appreciate you walking among the shadows of death to join me here in the wasteland. I continue to be humbled by the massive amounts of support that you all give, and I'm proud to say that because of you, we added 10 new countries to our roster of listeners, bringing the total to 160. That's right, of the 195 recognized countries in the world. We've been heard in 160 of them. I can't even wrap my head around that number. It's absolutely epic, and I can't thank you enough. And speaking of epic, today's guests are just that. Joining me on the show today are Santu Winter and Jeff Smith from Seattle melodic death metal outfit Vera Terrace, who have quickly become one of my favorite bands. Those of you that know me know that I'm a huge fan of the metal scene from the 80s and 90s, especially the melodic death metal that formed in Scandinavia and spawned acts like Amorphous, Therion, Children of Bodom, Opeth, and so many more. So when I heard there was a Seattle act that was bringing those sounds to our own scene, I literally lost my shit. Santu and Jeff were kind enough to take some time out of their busy schedules to give you the lowdown on their new album, Shadows of Death, as well as discuss some band history, their recent and upcoming Seattle area shows, their musical philosophies, ties to the Scandinavian music scene, and of course, their upcoming tour in Finland that brings the band full circle. Now, I've said it many times, but I am absolutely stoked that Seattle Metal is making an epic comeback, and Veriteris are a band that carves out a unique place in the scene, and I'm sure there are big things for them in the future. I hope you can feel my excitement as I share this with you. I'm anxiously awaiting to see what the band does next. So, pour yourself some shots of Finlandia, embrace the twilight, and prepare yourselves for the death machine. Check it out. All right, guys, welcome back. I am here in Seattle, Washington, talking with Santu Winter and Jeff Smith from the epic melodic death metal band Veriteris. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so Thanks much for having us. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm excited because, you know, I've been in the Seattle area for, for many, many, many moons, and I have watched the peak of the Seattle metal scene, and I watched the decline of the Seattle metal scene and now I am seeing a resurgence in the Seattle metal scene. And I, I do have to say that upon hearing your band for the first time, I was not only surprised at just uh, that you were there to begin with, but really that you brought a sound that is very near and dear to my heart because there is a definite Scandinavian vibe to what you do. Although by no means is it, is it truly derivative of any of that. I definitely get a modern feel um, for how you guys are presenting your music to the world. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And I'm looking at your discography and I'm looking at kind of the origins of the band and doing some homework. And you guys just came out swinging. I mean, uh, we were kind of talking off air for a second there, Santu, but just, you know, you guys formed really just a few years back and then boom, a single, boom, an EP, boom, an EP, boom, a full length. And, you know, here we are now with a new album release. So you guys could just give us a quick little background on uh, on how you got formed and just give us a little bit about the band for in your own words. 
Yeah, so Vera Terrace, we started in 2018. Melodic death metal band. By the way, Mike, appreciate that you added epic there. Like that's I'm glad that comes across because yeah, if if we got down into like sub 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 genres, I think epic blackened melodic death metal would be <laughs> kind of what we aspire for. Yeah. But who's keeping track? Sure. Um but yeah, so we started 2018. There was a prior iteration of the band called Winterfell. We were active, so it was three of the three of the four guys who were in Veritaris now were part of Winterfell. And we were kind of a melodic metal band. And that's maybe where some of the, I guess, the relationships were formed and some of the songwriting started. Like that single you mentioned, Shadow, Shadow Man, was actually released by Winterfell. And when we were starting Veritaris, we didn't have anything recorded, but we were playing Shadow Man, so we wanted to have that kind of as a song that, you know, we could have in our repertoire and that we could point bookers and people to that, you know, we were a legitimate band that actually had songs to play. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it's funny where, you know, as, as a musician, I think a lot of people kind of have a bag full of risks, you know, <laughs> that they kind of accumulate over the years that, yeah, even though we released a lot of music, gosh, like Banished, our first EP came out October, 2020, and we just released our full length, March 2022 like what is that that's a span of like like a year and a year half, and a half maybe, like yeah. but the songwriting for all those has I don't know the oldest stuff is probably like a decade old you know that like these things have been in the works for a long time and this is kind of the culmination of things coming together so it, it's super exciting yeah it's super exciting to be you know in a band that's actually creating music and putting music out there like it's kind of bucket list, bucket list stuff for me to to have the chance to do that so jeff how about you i mean yeah what's your yeah i mean from my perspective i was uh i was playing in a jazz band when i met santu and um and so we were gabbing about music and stuff and he started teaching me a lot about um heavy metal my background's more in punk and jazz and so we just started gabbing and i went and saw his band and it was pretty fun and and then by 2018, my jazz band had fell apart. And so he sort of asked me if I wanted to start playing with him. And then that seemed to go pretty well. And then he solicited the other guys to come back and play. And uh, and we really hit it off. And it's it's been a really great adventure. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so I'm curious that, uh, you know, your your background then is, is a whole different road. I mean, there's a, a punk influence, you said, and definitely like the jazz. And had you guys like met before somewhere else? Uh, were you one of the people that was in the prior Winterfell band, or uh, it was it the first time you met? Was you just went and saw him at a show? Met through work stuff, and uh, that's when we just started gabbing about music. We're gotcha. both kind of freaky dudes in our in our <laughs> industry, and uh, and so yeah. And I mean, I listened to some metal, but not to the depths that I do now, and not certainly not how uh, the rest of the guys have grown up with it. And so um, so I knew enough to be dangerous. Um, and uh, so, no, we met outside of that and then we just started playing and it was like, hmm. but Jeff, I think, I think you, you strike me as somebody who really enjoys learning new, I mean, you love music yeah, and you, and you seem to enjoy doing new things with music that was part of it. Also just kind of like a desire, like a metal band, like that yeah. sounds cool. <laughs> That's hard that. to do. I had to yeah. reprogram my brain. Yeah. I mean. You know, prior to, I mean, it's not like I was in a lot of jazz bands. I was playing in a prog rock band before that. And then the jazz thing came along and I was like, that sounds very hard and new. And so I had to learn all that stuff. And I did that for 10 years. And then this came along and I was like, oh, this sounds very hard and new. I want to do this. How long have you guys been in the Seattle area for? Is, you know, how long have you lived here? Are you from the Pacific Northwest or did you come from parts unknown? 
Yeah, I know I came from Cali and I moved up here in 92. So I've been here almost 30 years. And I, I was born in Finland, but moved to the U.S. as a little little baby. So I grew up in the Seattle area. Okay, so now the Finland thing is starting to dawn on me. It's just starting to make <laughs> sense a little bit. So we'll, we'll dig into that in a little bit. So very cool, yeah. though. Um, yeah. yeah, I like I said, I've been here for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you guys were familiar with kind of the classic scene, but like, you know, your, your forced entries and the accused and uh, even some of the more kind of lighter stuff like Queensryche, but there was a quite a big metal scene here back in the 80s and 90s, which kind of went by the wayside when things like, you know, the the grunge movement came with, you know, Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Soundgarden and and all of the the bands that kind of took over what became known as the Seattle scene, even though there was already a Seattle scene, it just kind of uh, was forced upon a new identity. And so um, I think it's cool. One way or another, you guys now, you made your way here and you're, you're, you're definitely digging some trenches I think to help kind of rebuild this, which I think is remarkable listening to your music and the Scandinavian influence. I mean, the, the things that I hear um, because I'm a product of the nineties, as far as my musical taste, when I was playing, what was popular at the time was I was really big into the Stockholm sound. So like you're in tombs and stuff like that. But um, I was also a huge fan of, of Amorphous, and they are still one of my favorite bands today. And so what I heard the first time when I heard, um, you know, uh, your stuff online, I was like, holy shit, this is like Amorphous meets Dark Throne meets like At The Gates. I mean, there's just so much of that influence that uh, so I assume, Santu, that some of that kind of comes from you and maybe some of those being your influences uh, back from where you're from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm really glad that, that comes through. It's also one of those things that's hard to kind of pinpoint of like, what is it? Like, it's, it's not necessarily intentional, but I imagine you know, every it, I, I do most of the songwriting. Sean, the other guitar player, he he's also contributed kind of to the, you know, the songwriting and arrangement piece. Um, I imagine, a, yeah, a lot of it is kind of the stuff that we're listening to, and that ends up kind of becoming an influence in our music. Um, but yeah, Amorphous is a tremendous band that I just recently got into a lot more. Um, I think Amongst Stars mm. is got to be like one of my like top five songs um, in terms of favorites. But I, I I think part of it is like a lot of this that Scandinavian metal scene. Like there's a strong there's a strong melody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what we try to do is like have a, not like an obvious melody, but like something that you can kind of latch onto and kind of give the song a little bit more context. Like there's a bunch of really great heavy bands that don't have as much melody. And for me, as somebody who really likes melody and music, it's harder to kind of, I don't know, in some ways like understand where you are in the song or, you know, there's not necessarily something that you can hum or kind of get stuck <laughs> you, Your brain does search for cues. Um, yeah. whether, I mean, even if you're not doing a typical, you know, verse, chorus, verse, or, or some kind of a, a traditional progression, you want to be able to identify something. Now your sound has a, a very black metal rhythm to it. Like just kind of the attack with the drums and, and the alternate picking and all that kind of stuff. It's there, but you know, songs like for instance, Twilight, where there's just this really cool, it's they're they're licks they're not riffs right i mean i'm a guitarist myself so when i pick up on that i hear that and 
things like to keep going back to like amorphous for instance or maybe even early Therion, um there's an almost folk kind of an element mm. to it that is very it's catchy and so the use of the the keyboard or the synth you know to complement those those licks and riffs really I, I find is is super effective and i really like the fact that nothing really overpowers anything else but the melody is definitely king uh in y'all's music and i i just uh i appreciate that because you know that that gothenburg stockholm thing that kind of fragmented there in the in the 90s really i think kind of divided a lot of the the metal camps you know it's like oh they're so melodic they're not real metal you know and uh i really like how you bring elements of both into that intentional or otherwise um it definitely reflects in in your presentation and i was watching a couple of videos of some recent shows that you guys had and i was like eh, they even pull this off live and then sure enough you know your your core sound still comes through live so <laughs> so super impressive also down a rabbit hole love the fact that like myself uh it's cool to look at you guys and go if I met you on the street, I wouldn't know that you played in a melodic death metal band, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, no, no corpse paint, no inverted crosses, no studs and stuff like that. You're yeah. just a bunch of dudes up on a stage having a blast playing music that just is coming out of nowhere. I just, I, again, Epic. That's the only way I can describe it. Thank Thanks you. man. Yeah. It, it is interesting too, that like, you know, Jeff with having a different musical background, mm -hmm. Like I, I don't, I've never played with like a bass player who's like a big metal head. So I don't really have a whole ton of context, but like, I think Jeff's approach to the bass really fits well too, where, you know, with, with, with live music in particular, it can, it can be easy for there to be way too much going on. And it's really difficult to, as a listener, especially if you don't know the songs to like, understand like, what is the band playing? Yeah. But I think our, our songs are, no, nobody in this band is like a, kind of like a virtuoso in our instruments we're all proficient and good but nobody's like an incredible musician that i think as a result our songs tend to be a little bit simpler and maybe easier to digest and understand in a live setting and i think jeff's approach to the bass too of like you don't try to jeff you don't do like tremolo picking on a bass you know you try to create space yeah like you listen to it it's like i don't want it to be clogged up with a bunch of just noise especially if you know yeah, like Sandra was saying, there could be so much going on. It's like it just it turns into a bunch of mud, in my opinion. And so, and like Mike said, kind of when the melody is so out front, you just I just don't want to just muck that up with a bunch of just playing. Everyone's playing all at the same time, and it yeah. just turns into a bunch of schlock. Um, and yeah. so, you know, <laughs> like especially in, in early punk or not early punk bands, but like the punk bands out of this town and the grunge stuff, you could hear the difference. Like if you listen to Tad or um, even the Jesus Lizard, like oh. there's just stuff going on. You can hear everybody. And that's, that's, I think that's important to have it stand out and not just be a bunch of. <laughs> you said Tad. And so that really brings me back. Uh, Eight Way Santa, Jack Pepsi. Yeah. Um, I mean, classic stuff around here. Yeah. And I, and I just love that. I mean, that's when I first moved here, like Hazel was a huge band for me. I just love that sound. And there's only three of them and Fred, the dancer. And uh, but you can really, you hear everybody, and it's and it's a really great thing. And even Tad, they're super combative, um, but you can still hear everybody, and they're phenomenal players. And, you know all, all the stuff that was going on in this town. I'm a huge Mud Honey fan, and mm, um, yeah, and the Gits, it's great stuff. 
Man, you're bringing me back, brother. Um, I definitely appreciate uh, the fact that each of you is not simply doubling the other. Um, you know, I love the harmonies. I love the melodies. I love the fact that, you know, it, it the way that y'all phrase um, your songs is that there is a highlighted point and each of you is complimenting the other. So it's not like you're just playing over each other and Hey man, I love some free form jazz, but you know, sometimes that shit just gets super convoluted too. And you know, people <laughs> kind of free forming it to the point, but yours has a very deliberate feel to it. I'm across um, your Bandcamp page, of course. And one of the things that I saw was that in those early works, as you recorded, you were still kind of trying to find your sound, right? You were still messing with the, we'll call it the band identity, the songs. They definitely have different feels and different mixes to the overall quality. Was that just a byproduct of, well, we just need to figure this out as we go? Or did you say, let's try it this way and just see what works? I think it was intentional experimentation, especially with the with the mixing where we had <laughs> we we originally tried to mix it ourselves and quickly realized that it like we don't have the time or expertise to be able to do that and it's not going to sound as good as we want it to sound well then it would sound black so metal those... right <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> yeah. like norwegian black metal <laughs> yeah um so, so we worked with four different audio engineers to mix those six songs um so there's and, and you can totally hear that there's a very different sound in the mix across the songs. There's there's two songs, two people mixed two songs. So you can kind of pick those those out too. I think if you if you really that if you really listen, but it was incredible just seeing what impact the like the mixing engineer has on the song. It's like adding a whole new member to the band in terms of influence on the sound. Um, and then from there we we you know we we picked one guy that we really liked working with, Don Gunn, who's local. Jeff knew him, worked with him before. Great guy, yeah. and very kind of top-notch in terms of what he does so then we worked with him for our for our full-length album um, but i think there's also an element of like with with the songs too of like never again and citadel are they're not as like melodic death metal kind of black and melodic death metal they kind of have a different feel and i think part of that is that you know maybe the era where i wrote those songs i was listening to different stuff and kind of this this the later stuff is kind of has more of that epic black and melodic death metal. It makes me think a little bit with Santu, in my opinion, is that for Santu to find the people to play with enables him, I think, encourages him to write differently. It's like, it's like Frank Zappa. Once he built a band, he's like, I can write for this band. And, and, and I think that's, to me, I think I've watched Santu's songwriting kind of grow and Sean too. And that they see like, oh, wow, we can do these things. Why don't we write like this? And it, you know, I think it gives a little more complexity to what they're doing. I think, I think, I think the next album is going to be even better. And Jeff, you do a really good job of like trying to push the boundaries, you know, of like, like make sure that we don't use the same chord progression in each song or that the songs are in different keys or, you know, throwing in key changes and things like that, that have, you know, or, or even like the dynamic variability that it doesn't always have to be Tremolo yeah. pick double bass yeah. pedal, but let's have a quiet part in here. So. Got to give your ear some sonic variation. I think yeah. that helps everybody. Are, are you guys uh, big into, like, do you approach this from a theory standpoint? Are you schooled musicians in that sense? Or uh, is this still just something that uh, 
all of the the keys and all the technical stuff is just a byproduct of what you just do naturally anyway. You're you're the most musician of all of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a classically trained pianist as a kid, so I played piano for ten years, and so I kind of am able to bring some music theory at least into what I'm doing. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that influences how I approach things, I guess. Jeff Jeff has charts of the songs where he. Yeah. I map things out. <laughs> you like to storyboard yeah. them. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. But it, it was, it's, it seemed to be kind of a mind bender for you of like, because we play in dropped, drop D tuning and then everything's tuned down a whole step. So I guess drop C tuning. <laughs> so, there, so there's the key formerly known as G, which is now whatever two, <laughs> two steps lower. <laughs> But uh, I can't, yeah, I can't think, and I play in so many bands right now that I can't think about songs like that. It's too hard for my brain to now think about the strings in a completely different key. So I still have to talk about them as if they're in the, the previous key they would have been in. Um, so some of that's been the hardest part, like even in in jazz or, you know, in regular rock, you know, everything's written in kind of a one, four, five shapes, especially in folk music. And then through jazz, you learn more about two, five, one movements. And now in metal, it's just like different. It doesn't have to hold to the same kind of shapes and forms of music. And that, and as well as the drop tuning was a, is a huge mind bender for me to have to kind of restructure how songs are built. And Jason, our drummer, he's, he's also, he's super um, kind of structured and like logical in his approach to the songs where he will, he will tab, he has his, has his notebook where he's tabbed out the songs and he like kind of writes down what he's playing and he uses that kind of as, so as we make edits to the songs that we can kind of capture them somewhere and remember what we've changed. Very meticulous, Jason. Is. Yeah. And Sean and I are maybe less, I don't know, approach it less structured. I, I grew up playing piano that I kind of understand the basis, basics of the theory and kind of those elements. But as I really think about, it, I don't know what key the song is in or kind of some of those elements. But um, so it's maybe it's a little bit more free flowing from that perspective. It seems like it's good to have a combination, you know, of like, kind of the less structured so that it's just kind of natural and I guess organic as opposed to kind of trying to put it into a structure. But also it is helpful of thinking through things of like, hmm, I've used the same chord structure in several songs, right? Everything is in the same key. Let's mix these songs up a little bit. Yeah, that can right. be helpful too. Well, a while back I heard an interview between Larry Coriel, who's a great jazz guitarist from this town. He was interviewing Stevie Ray Vaughan, I think, and they were talking about reading music and Larry Correale was asking and Steve Ray Vaughan's like, yeah, I don't know how to read music. It just, it's all up here. And Larry Correale's like, yeah, don't, don't learn how to read music. It'll just, it inhibits your ability to come up with stuff. Now perhaps you're, you're bound by a structure. And uh, I thought that was a really fascinating conversation between the two of them. I have heard that before from other people, uh, musicians specifically that have gone on to try to learn after the fact, and it changes the way they write, changes the way they hear and sometimes if you're too much in your own head, if you're, if you're just overthinking everything, then the creativity just dies. It becomes yeah. a formula. It becomes math. I mean, music is math. I hear that all the time. But when it gets to the point where you're literally just doing something that to try to fit it in to something else, I, I feel like it loses the magic. That being said, there is definitely some magic happening with Veritaris, and we're going to give you a taste of that magic right now. Off their debut full-length album, Shadows of Death, here's a killer track called Forever Enslaved.
now though that you have uh released then uh shadows of death this is a very consistent sounding album so if we're going to just kind of compare you know progress and, and map the progress you know i look at how that album sounds and it has a very cohesive feel to it right i mean obviously the mix is the mix and it's it's solid and you can hear everything quite well um did this process of recording this album differ from the others uh, besides the fact that you just had, you know, one guy, you know, mixing it? Did you approach this album differently now that you had kind of figured out where you wanted to go with everything? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the biggest differences were, I mean, the guitars were recorded at home. I recorded them kind of in my bedroom. Um, and that process was roughly the same as with the other songs. But the biggest difference were that the drums were recorded in the studio. The bass was recorded at the same time as the drums were recorded in the studio. And then the vocals vocals were all in the studio. Um, and then one person mixing it. And it was a much more involved mixing process as opposed to the kind of the EPs. I think we kind of approached the EPs as like, you know, experimenting in, in some ways kind of demos. Like we didn't, we spent much less time, I guess, critiquing the mixes and kind of trying to really find the sound that we like. As, as opposed to on this one. God bless Don Gunn's heart. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. He's, very, he's as patient as he can be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then having it mastered by um, Jens Bogren from Fascination Street Studios in, in Sweden, who's a really well-known you know, uh, producer, which I, I mean, an, an honor that he would be willing to take on a no-name wannabe melodic death band yeah. that got some master. Right, That's well, I am very familiar with Jens and his work. And, uh, you know, one of the albums that he did uh, very recently, I guess a couple of years ago, uh, he did the latest Exhorter album. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Exhorter. And Jens, his mixes tend to have a lot of headroom and they tend to have a lot of clarity and so some of the some of the super old school purists will always rag on that kind of production because you know it's it's not raw enough right but you guys managed to find um i I think through your you know just initial mix in your presentation that really fine line between it's it's polished but it's not overproduced um the vocals especially have that very old school metal sound which i absolutely love uh the vocal presentation on on your guys's song so you know between that and kind of uh just the right amount of effects uh, on the vocals uh you know the reverb just the the right tailing delays and and stuff like that but uh everything just sits so good so it's it's a great final product as a listener to listen to it you don't feel like you have to put effort into listening to it which i think a lot of bands that's something they, they don't think about when they're recording is is this going to be something that somebody can just sit back and appreciate for what it is and not have to literally try to find all of the various elements? So a definite testament to the mixing and mastering on uh, on Shadows of Death for sure. Thanks. With the, with the mastering, we had four different people. We wanted to experiment with the mastering too. Four different people did a test master of Forever and Slave, which is our first single. Mm-hmm. One person had two uh, two masters. And then Don collected them all, and then he removed the name, so we didn't know who mastered what, and we listened to them all, he, partly just to, to show, to understand, like, what does the mastering do to the song? Because, like, I, I hadn't, I certainly had never experienced that before. And also to try to mitigate for the fact of, like, you know, Jens has, like, a celebrity status of not just picking his, because his is the most expensive. Sure. But, you know, because we wanted to have Jens do it. But, but we listened to them all, and there were two that were 
kind of our favorites. And and he ends with it was just the best. It's like he clearly knows what he's doing. That you know he's very talented. There. I think he did a lot of the Amorphous albums too. Which imagine you're yeah familiar with those. Yeah, I'm I'm, a, I'm an Amorphous nerd. So I mean, yeah, he's a I I I think that 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 dude is of course a wizard, no doubt about it. But um, yeah, I I think it it fits well with your sound. And uh, you know, I I just think I've been listening to this album now kind of nonstop off and on um well it's it's rare i think to find music that speaks to you and granted because of kind of those those influences that you take that just happens to be what i was into during my formative years as a musician as well so those sounds kind of speak with me more uh than i think than what i'm hearing on, on the local scene in fact i i can't think of a band locally that sounds much like you there's there's plenty of metal bands popping back up which is great um but i'm not seeing or hearing anything that that quite has those same elements presented in in the same way that you all do it i I, I, yeah i i wasn't really into the local metal scene before playing in a band um which i kind of regret not being more involved in it but as i started to get into it i was trying to find bands that like sounded like scandinavian melodic death metal bands and there really aren't very many i mean there there are several melodic death metal bands that you know have those influences but they don't really cap kind of have that i don't know the scandinavian sure. essence to it there's a band from um central california or is it northern california crepuscle who they have that distinct tone um and it's, it's funny because we're, we're planning a tour to finland in may um or we have we have scheduled a tour for may we're, <laughs> we're almost done planning it um, and it's amazing that like in every single town, it's like a city of like 60,000 and there's like six really good melodic death metal bands yeah. <laughs> that kind of have that sound. But so I think you're right on that there, that there aren't too many kind of local bands that have that Scandinavian melodic death metal sound. So it's good to be a little bit unique. Yeah. I think that, um, it does help set you apart. Uh, and not that they're out there, they're not out there, but you know, they just haven't sure. you know been found yet or, or made made quite the name in such a short amount of time as y'all have done. So, and I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, the upcoming tour. So we'll shift gears here again. Now you've had the chance recently to play some really cool shows here in Seattle. Uh, I know that you've done, you know, a few here at the El Corazon, which is kind of become known as the house of metal in the Seattle area. Um, I just went and saw uh, Incantation uh, there here a couple weeks back, uh, just before you guys played, actually. Um, and mm-hmm. that's just it's just a cool place. Uh, so you got a chance to play with, of course, uh, you know, Cataclysm, which is another fantastic band. In fact, they were playing with Exhorter when I went and saw them and did the interview with Vinny. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Dark Tranquility, which brings that back home a little bit because, of course, they are credited really with being innovators and pioneers in what became known as the Gothenburg scene. Um, so you've just got a chance to play with some, some pretty, pretty epic bands. Um, curious then how, how that felt to play with bands then that do in fact kind of fit into that same um, melodic, I don't know, structure as what Veriteris does. I thought it was great. <laughs> Just, you know, a lot of those are touring bands too. Like they're coming from different states and they're and they're latched on to in this case, like when we just played with Omnium Gathering the other night. And it's like to see some of these bands like Black Crown Initiative and stuff, it's like you can tell they've been working this, honing their craft, making the stuff. It's like this is it's pretty impressive to kind of be on the same bill as some of these people. 
and at the same time, they're all very good musicians and extremely well rehearsed. And it, you know, like we're, you know, we're an amateur band. It's like I'm really proud of what we're doing and progress we're making. But like, we make a lot more mistakes than they. Do. <laughs> <laughs> I also think we're a little bit more of an engaging band as well. Like I think, you know, I don't know. I don't think we take ourselves nearly as seriously as most bands, and so I think it's a lot more fun. You know, and I talked to a bunch of people in the audience and they were just super nice and very approachable. And uh, I think we ha we have something there that's good. How did you end up on the bills with those two bands with uh, Cataclysm and Dark Tranquility? Yeah, so dude, how did we do that? You, you know, I feel like playing in a band, I've learned, like with many things in life, it's like 80 to 90% effort and then 10 to 20% like skill. <laughs> <laughs> Where, yeah. like, it, it's just, like, hustling and making connections with people and and asking. So, like, with the Omnium Gatherum, I saw that the show was announced. And we had booked a show at the Fun House, which is connected to Which is right next house. to it, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I knew the, the booker who did the booking for both and just said, hey, um, there's a show, this Omnium Gatherum, we'd love to open and kind of made a pitch of, like, here's a couple points of, like, our, we have a Scandinavian sound. I think we would line up well. We have an album coming out. Um, so, and so then later that day, I got an email that had us kind of added to the bill, which is, I, I was not expecting that. Yeah. Um, and then dark, dark, dark tranquility. I, I kind of assumed that we wouldn't be considered for opening for that show because we were playing Omnium Gatherum like a month later, and we were actually playing a show at the Fun House like a week before, less than a week before. Mm -hmm. Um. So for that one, the the booker there, Dana Sims, reached out and asked if we wanted to open for him. So. Uh, I know he had asked multiple bands and it's not like he's like, I'm just going to ask Veritas to do this, but yeah, we responded quickly and um, yeah, we're able to, we're able to have that honor too. So, I mean, that that's also like when we started the band, I know this isn't what you were asking about, but one of the things I've learned is that it's extreme. It, it's really important for everybody to be on the same page with like, what are we setting out to do? You know, like, sure. are we trying to make money doing this? Because if so, we're a very bad band. <laughs> <laughs> this is a money pit, basically. But for us, it was like some of the goals that we had were um, record a full-length album, which we've done that. Um, the tour in Finland, which hopefully we'll do that here in a couple months, and open for touring bands when they come through Elkhorn Zone. Um, so to have the chance to kind of do those things has been, yeah, just exceeded my wildest expectations of what we'd be able to do. Let's talk about now. We've dropped this a couple of times here this Finland tour um, because it is, it's not just a one and done. You guys are, you're heading out uh, to one of the homes of the music of this scene. So I, I would love to know how, how this came to be. And then we'll talk a little bit about that tour specifically. Yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, with Omnium Gatherum of just deciding, deciding that we wanted to do it and then starting to take actions that kind of set us up for it that I think it was a concept maybe I mean this was before COVID in the before times I think we decided yeah this is something we want to do and originally I think we were thinking fall 2021 I think is kind yeah. of what we originally thought but yeah I mean the first step was just I guess getting everybody on the same you know page of like yeah let's do this and kind of establishing the vision for what it would look like originally the concept was that we'd you know go it would be mostly vacation we'd play a couple shows kind of as a novelty but then we, as we started looking into it, it's like, well, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna go to Finland to play shows, it's like we might as well play as many as we can. So we have seven dates booked. Um, 
starting on the 13th of May, ending on the 21st. So as far as like tours go, this is pretty small, but for us, we've never played two shows back to back. So having five shows back to back is, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> maybe, maybe come see us on the uh, earlier end. Of the show. <laughs> <laughs> We're not exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh so this was the idea was was this kind of generated from you like you wanted to put this together or were you approached to join a project no this was so being from finland we we visit roughly every other year um just to go see family and stuff like that and went there with i have two young kids a six-year-old and an eight-year-old so a couple years ago we went to finland and kind of saw people and it was you know wonderful to see family and as we're coming back just kind of thinking about like you know this would be fun to do with um, you know, with some friends. And one one of the things I love about playing in Veritas is that it's, I love the music and the things that we're creating, but also I love spending time with the other guys in the band, that it's really a source of community. And it's been really important during COVID too, of, you know, like having these interpersonal <laughs> interactions in the flesh with with people that I really care about. Um, but that's, that's kind of how it's, it, it, we're not joining somebody else's tour. Each of the shows is pretty much each of the shows is for the different set of bands. There's a couple of bands that we're playing a couple of shows with. Um, but but the, the first step was to reach out to a bunch of Finnish, kind of smaller Finnish bands in cities where we wanted to play and see if they would be interested in kind of hosting us in a way. Sure. We're like, nobody's going to come see some, yeah, some American unknown melodic death metal band when there's so many good bands to see locally. <laughs> so we wanted to connect with some local bands where we could, I don't think we're headlining any any of the shows where, you know, maybe sandwich us between a couple of local bands and, um, you know, we'll be a novelty. <laughs> Hopefully, so people come and just see Hopefully us. They write like from America, yeah. Terrace, and they'll be like, "Whoa, these guys must be great." <laughs> Plus, the name is the the, the name Veriteris is the amalgamation of some Finnish words. So I think people will be like, "Like, are these guys Finnish, but they're American?" So. I wanted to ask you about that. So is it an actual word? Did you make this up? Uh, you know, what does it mean? It's the combination of the words blood, which is very, and teras, which is steel, kind of stuck together. So it's veriteras. But in Finnish, you would pronounce it very teras. Okay. But so it, it's a made-up word of two words that are actual words. So like blood and steel, basically. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool, awesome. And this is going to be called the Shadow of Death Tour, correct? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yep. You get all the all all the kudos for putting it together, so you may as well call it after your own album, there, right? I uh, yeah. I think that's awesome, and I think I saw just this morning that the final lineup is now solidified. You know, barring some extenuating circumstance that uh, causes a, a massive cataclysm of bands, um, but uh, yeah, it looks like it's it's now in its final stages and and it's getting ready to get kicked off yeah yeah lineups are full shows are booked we're getting the kind of figuring out where we're staying just found us a van that's enormous enormous <laughs> absolutely gigantic yeah the people have been really nice too as far as like you know do you like songs that you mean Santu is charming and finished and so everybody's been very nice to him i've been talking to people trying to rent stuff and they're all very helpful and it's like it's so nice over there. <laughs> also remarkable from what I gather, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but you guys are completely self-financing this tour. Yeah, right. This is not a label-supported endeavor. So yeah, we tried to get Purina Catch out to sponsor us, but they weren't. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to do it on our own. 
Oh man, that's uh, you know, between the rentals and just the logistics, I mean, that's a huge undertaking. So, who decided they wanted to take that on? Is is any one of you more in charge of that element of it than another? Yeah, we kind of divvied it up a little bit. I mean, Santa is definitely the brains of the band, um, but you know, we've divvied it up a little bit in terms of renting gear and yeah, where to stay. But Santu knows the country a lot better too. So like the, the possibilities of moving between places and everything like that, it's much clearer to Santu than it is to me. And uh, you've also, aside from that then, uh, you've got Washington Death Fest coming up. Oh yeah. Which yeah, but- is awesome because Washington Death Fest is facing its own resurgence of sorts. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar, but Coven is on that bill. And Coven is a band that is very near and dear to my heart um, because I listened to them when I was in junior high school. And uh, now, yeah, now they are friends of friends. So it's pretty cool. Um, So I was really excited to see, to see Coven on, on that bill. And uh, I I've missed in my two opportunities to see them live the last couple of years. So, uh, so yeah, this is super cool. Um, There's some pretty, some Epic names on that billing as well. So the uh, the death fest. I, I assume then same thing. You just said put us on that bill, and they made it happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I I think they announced the lineup for like 2020, and okay. then I I sent them an, a, an email like, hey, is there room on the bill for us? Like, nope, but we'll consider you for next time. And then we were added to the bill for 2021, which of course didn't happen. So then they, I think they rolled a lot of the bands over onto the 2022 lineup. Yeah. But it's yeah, that'll be interesting. It's we are by we, we are among the lightest bands. <laughs> <laughs> playing the week would kind of sound like a pop band in comparison to a lot of the bands like this yeah. is this is you're, you're <laughs> heavy here definitely gets dwarfed on stage you know it's, <laughs> a, it's amazing how much stuff people have it's so much bigger and impressive than what we have true yeah 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 the equipment too yeah, yeah. are you are you coming down for, for death Fest? um Kelso? it is it is on my calendar um awesome. plans are not solidified yet but um i have yet to be able to attend something like that here locally. So um, I definitely want to make that happen. And I know that I've got a lot of friends and bands over on the East coast and, you know, trying to get some of them to, to book over here is really tough. Um, So, but if we can get something like this particular fest to get it to the level where it's consistent and it's a draw, uh, then it Mm -hmm. could be worthwhile for somebody to, you know, come from various areas as well. Um, but I, I think that we really need a a hallmark of the scene, something that we can cap, you know, every year, like a, you know, like a Maryland death fest or a bloodstock or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that, that we really need something like that. And now I'm seeing it start to become a reality um, with the scene uh, facing the revitalization that it is. So I, I'm very excited for this to kind of come back to the forefront. I, I can't think of a better way to, to promote local bands and as well as have some folks from other areas come in and put on just a huge fucking metal festival. I mean, what's better than that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. There's also the, was it Nor- the Northwest Terra Fest? And I think that's to be one of the big kind of local regional scene. I think they, I think they have some bands kind of non-local bands that uh, come to that too, which seem to be pretty big here in Seattle. Yeah, and I had heard that there was a possibility that they were kind of taking some time off from doing it. Uh, aside from the the COVID stuff, I think um, that there were maybe some restructuring going on, things like that. So oh. so if that is the case, so uh, one more pile of awesomeness to, you know, to add yeah, to the books. Uh, 
I think that's great. So what else then? I mean, you got you got a new album, you, which is, as I've said a million times, absolutely epic. You've got some killer shows booked. Uh, what else is on your agenda then? You know, what's next for you guys? Probably retiring after a tour because we'll <laughs> yeah. make so much money. Yeah, <laughs> deciding on how to spend your millions like on the Italian I, job. Hopefully <laughs> meet all the people in Finland and we move there. <laughs> yeah, the way Santu works, man, they're going to invite us to stay. These are our people. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I think that'll be, we've kind of talked that it will be good for June to be kind of like de decompress, at least from the band. I mean, we'll have spent, you know, two and a half weeks basically together, you know, 24 seven, the you know, time to, <laughs> to, to think and kind of unwind and think like, did we like that? Do we want to keep doing that? Do we want to kind of rejigger kind of our vision and, and our mission or do we want to yeah what, what what do we want to do next yeah i would imagine I, I i think we have another album in us we already have kind of the rough content for about four songs that are kind of roughed in what do we want to do differently for this next album um yeah, yeah. i think it'd be good yeah to kind of get back from there and kind of decompress and then more talk about it. like what, what what's next what do we want to do take over the world what yeah Move into a group house like the Grateful Dead, and yeah, <laughs> right. It would be interesting to explore, like you know, labels. You know, like th our, our stuff to this date has been all independent, independently released. And we talked a little bit with some a, a couple labels. I don't know that they were really serious about being interested in us, but it'd be curious, interesting to understand, like what you know, is that a logical move for a band like us, or is it, you know, what what does that avenue look like? Um, That'd be fun to explore, I think. It's a challenging proposition to consider for sure. Um, but uh, independent releases are super awesome. And there's a place in all of our hearts for those kind of hometown heroes that do it all themselves and kind of say, fuck the system, you know? It's uh, very metal, <laughs> as is mac and cheese and top ramen and raw potatoes. But, you know. <laughs> True. <laughs> that being said, we've talked about a lot of really cool stuff today. What would you like the world to know about Veritaris? If you could tell everybody out there, you know, really a couple of uh, key things about yourselves, you know, what is the most important thing to your band? Our very bass cool. player is very handsome. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I can see him from here. <laughs> yeah. I think like, I mean, maybe, maybe our, let's see if I can do it. Like our kind of our elevator pitch, which is like our bio and our electronic press kit that, you know, Veritaris, Kind of Scandinavian-inspired melodic death metal band from Seattle. We strive to write memorable and powerful melodies wrapped in like a heavy and aggressive framework, kind of with a heavy and aggressive sound, inspired by the Scandinavian melodic death metal scene, Children's Abo Children of Bodom, um, early era in flames. Um, you know, kind of Kalma has been a big influence. That I, I think that's kind of us in a nutshell. No, come see us. Yeah. We're well worth seeing. Right on. R.I.P. to uh, Alexi Leho. That yeah, was, uh, right, yeah. man, you know, not too not, soon. Yeah, definitely too soon. Uh, so I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up that influence because uh, that that's definitely such a such a great band. So yeah. if somebody wants to get all of the information, tour dates, and all that kind of stuff, what's the best place to get that uh, for the band? We're most active on Facebook, so that that will be kind of the go-to spot. Okay. And, and our last show in Seattle. That we have on the books at the moment probably until late summer is um saturday april 9th at the fun house for the wacken metal battle round two Ooh, awesome lineup great great bands um after that we'll be we'll, we'll play a couple of shows here in the u.s but 
I'll be in Bellingham, Tacoma, and Kelso. After that, it's Finland. Awesome. And the best place to uh, check out your music, uh, Bandcamp, or is there other sites as well? Yeah, wherever you stream your music, Bandcamp is great for Spotify. Those are kind of the places we, we focus on. And for those old fucks like me that like physical material, uh, you do have CDs now available for uh, your latest album as well, correct? We do, yeah. yep. And a couple new t-shirt designs are up on our uh, Bandcamp as well. Awesome. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you. Jess Smith, Santu Winter, Vera Terrace. Thank you guys so much. This has been awesome. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, thank you. You're the best. Oh, no, you guys are the best. I'm blessed to have such awesome guests on this show and blessed, of course, to have the absolute best listeners. I sincerely mean that. Thanks for always being a part of it. Don't forget to follow Misery Point Radio on all the social media channels and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming platform and check out the full radio station by downloading the Live 365 app and searching for Misery Point Radio. But now it's time to call it a night, so here's one last tune from Vera Terrace off their album Shadows of Death. This one's called Endless Unknown. See you next time in the Wasteland.
Hey, uh, this is Jeff, bass player with Veritaris. Keep it tuned to KFMP, Misery Point Radio.